And I think what's the most instructive for leaders in Joseph's story is that Joseph never asked to be a slave. He never asked to be in prison, but those were the places where God grew his gifts. I mean, at 17 years old, as a son of a farmer or sheep herder, you know, he did not have the gifts to run Egypt. And so in those hard times is when he learned the skills. This is the Leadership on the Rocks podcast, where we equip and empower leaders like you to thrive in and create harmony between your professional and personal lives. I'm your host, Bethany Reese. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking with Donna Snow about persevering in leadership through inspiration, time management, and collaboration. Donna Snow is an author, speaker, and the CEO of the nonprofit organization Artesian Ministries, which is committed to being a provider of resources for biblical literacy to nurture a strong and vibrant faith in Jesus Christ. So welcome to the podcast, Leadership on the Rocks. Donna, so glad to have you. Thank you, Bethany. It's wonderful to be here. Man, well, I'm really thrilled. I've got to tell people kind of how we've come to know each other. So I am a wannabe writer, right? I feel like I at some point need to declare I am a writer. (laughs) But in the meantime, I am looking for support in that area. So I actually met you at attending an American Christian Fiction Writers group meeting, and I was immediately blown away by just your presence, your work, your leadership. So I told you I was going to stalk you on social media, and I did, and I have just fallen in love with everything that you're doing. So ultimately, you're the CEO of a nonprofit, so you've literally started your own organization from the ground up, but you know, so many leaders like you have that secret passion, something that just gets us excited. I want to know what passion you had that actually stirred you to step out of your the safety and security of your nine to five job in the legal industry to start your nonprofit. What well, stirred you? What. Well, I had been in the legal field for 30 years and I had been writing and speaking and traveling for the past 10. So really for the last 10 years, I've had two full-time jobs. But really what gave me the window to see the possibility was COVID. You know, when everything shut down, uh, I was home for six months and we were doing everything with the firm remotely. And it gave me a glimpse into, okay, this is possible. And yes, it's scary because, you know, there's no 401k, there's no benefits, there's no anything like that. So it was a learning curve of, okay, I'm going to get my ducks in a row, because this is what God has called me to do. And this is what I'm going to do. And so get my ducks in a row and just go for it. And I have not looked back. And it was just a burning passion that, you know, I'm 55 years old at the time I was 53 and the clock is ticking. It's like, if I'm going to do this, there is no better time. You know, I am not married and I do not have children. And so I am the freest that I will ever be to be able to focus on this and go after what I know that God has called me to do. And so the safety and security, I just had to turn that over to the Lord and trust that he would provide. And it's been two years now and he has. Man, I'm just amazed at that. And you know, I didn't start my business really till 41, uh, you know, almost 42. And I, I love that. There's so much learning that we have to do as leaders earlier in our lives and in our careers that God is going to use to call us to step out. And so one of the things I love about everything that you produce is you really help people, you know, you talk about Bible literacy, really getting to know and utilize and tap into the power of the word. And, and really getting to know the Bible, there are so many 
leadership examples in the Bible that I know I've personally leaned on. And, you know, you're sitting here writing it of saying, hey, guys, if you're a leader, let's learn about Nehemiah, about perseverance. How do you get through life's challenges? You know, Nehemiah has a battle plan. So I know that's specifically one Bible study that you've written. So will you kind of help walk us through what the Bible has to offer about just great leadership advice, such as Nehemiah, and how we can apply it in our own leadership? Well, Nehemiah is an incredible story because his example of perseverance is, I mean, it's just something that we need to read over and over and over because um, God gave him this calling to go rebuild a wall around Jerusalem. And the calling was clear. It was unambiguous. And that is so key for leaders because we can get so distracted on rabbit trails and all kinds of stuff. We have to have a clear, unambiguous goal uh, for us to go after. And um, Nehemiah did that. He knew where the resources were and he knew once he got there, the importance was to delegate. He didn't try to build the wall himself. He -hmm. was the overview overseer to kind of motivate people and get people to stay focused on the job at hand. And talk about a great leadership example, because how many of us have tried to do it all ourselves until we're just exhausted? I certainly did, because I was was an LLC for years. And then I thought, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. And Mm -hmm. so the process of turning into a 501c3, you know, it's a good thing I worked with attorneys because that whole process was intimidating, even for someone who's familiar with legal jargon. But to be able to stay focused on that, get a board together and all those things that go with it, it's one of those things where I had to have a clear, unambiguous goal. And there are so many examples in scripture, you know, Nehemiah, Joseph, I mean, you just name them and it's just phenomenal. Well, I can't wait to hear about Joseph in just a little bit, but I I have a follow-up question with Nehemiah, you know, and what you said of the collaboration piece, you know, leaders, usually you step into leadership because you're a good individual contributor, right? Uh, You give me the task. I'm really good at my job. And then I become so good at my job. Eventually I get the opportunity to influence others in their role, but it really is hard to give up that control of wait, I'm now working with other people and my name's going to be attached to their work. That's scary. You know, it's scary that they don't work at the level at which I work, but first of all, how arrogant of me to think that, but you know, we all do. (laughs) And so how do you trust people through that collaboration process? Well, what I did when I was putting together my board and the people who I knew I needed to look to for advice, I already knew those people. Um, because I had done this for a while. I mean, obviously that was not the case with Nehemiah because he wasn't he wasn't familiar with anyone. But what I did was listen to the wise mentors who've gone before me and would listen to people they would recommend. Hey, this person I know can do this really well. And so you should call him or you should call her. And so listening to those who've gone before us who have that experience is huge, absolutely huge. Because a lot of times, we like to just, you know, go headlong into whatever and think we know the best way when maybe there actually is a better way. And we can listen to those who've gone before us and learn. We are never too old to learn. That is such a fundamental truth for leadership is one, recognizing that you're not alone. You don't have to do it on your own. And it doesn't matter what job role you have, what, you know, crisis you're stepping in to lead. You're not alone in that. And so we've got to tap into our mentors, our resources, there's always somebody you can call and ask. And I love that. You know, in in looking at Nehemiah, there's one other part of his story 
And I want you to kind of walk our listeners through that. When Nehemiah, for those of you that don't, don't know, this is in the Old Testament, Nehemiah is going back um, to rebuild the wall uh, around Jerusalem and to protect the temple so people can move back and all those things. But he had just scoffers. He had those naysayers, the people who are not, as Brene Brown would say, not in the arena that are sitting up there just making fun of him, even threatening him, all that negativity. And I think that's one thing, especially in today's society where everything is shared instantaneously. There's so much negativity that we have to deal with. And so how did Nehemiah get through all that negativity to still inspire his team to move forward and build that wall? Once again, it was that clear, unambiguous goal. I I love the part of Nehemiah where when he gets there and they start work on the wall, he basically gets on the wall and says, I'm not coming down until this is finished. You know, because it says in Nehemiah 6.3, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. You know, that that's great over there. Uh, You go ahead, but I'm doing this. You know, good for you. You're doing that. I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And when the naysayers keep coming, trying to pull him off the wall, He's like, you know, I don't want to go grab coffee with you because I know your intent is evil, basically. And I've got the Lord's work to do here. And his focus was just laser. And that is huge. I love that about Nehemiah. But the cool thing about Nehemiah also is that there's one part where it says he had a trumpeter standing beside him on the wall. And basically that trumpeter, Nehemiah said, you know, if I'm in trouble, because, you know, they'll come after the leaders first. Mm -hmm. They will come after us first to take the whole organization down. And so Nehemiah put a trumpeter beside him. And he said, basically, to the all the people, when you hear the trumpeter, that means I'm in trouble and you rally to my, my cause. And so I think for each of us, we need to know that there's a trumpeter in our life who is looking out for the naysayers, who sees the landmines that we can't see and is able to rally the troops for us. That's huge. Oh, that's so good. And I just think of all the situations you know, that I've gone through and then leaders out there, think about the situations you've gone through. Who is that trumpeter in your life? Who is that person that is your like ride or die? (laughs) That's what me and one of my assistant principals used to say, I'm your ride or die, you know, to help rally and get people behind you to continue the work. So just kind of recapping Nehemiah, you know, that, that strong laser-like focus, that call and do not get distracted from that. And there's so many opportunities for distraction. Um, now I really want to transition. You have a new book that just came out. It's called Meant for Good, A Study of Joseph. And Joseph is another just amazing leader who was made for such a time as this in the Bible that you can really lean on and learn about to help you in your leadership, especially in times of crisis. So I want you to talk to us about Joseph and kind of just his storyline. And he eventually became like the second person, second leader in Egypt. And so talk to us just about his journey. Yeah, Joseph is another incredible story because his leadership, where he ended up, is never where he intended to end up. He he likely had a whole different life planned. 17 years old, his brothers sell him into slavery, and they think they're rid of the favorite, basically, for the rest of their lives. But Joseph, it's interesting, Joseph's story, even though he was a slave and he was in prison for over a decade, We never hear him whining. We never hear him complaining. He put his nose to the grindstone and just used his God-given gifts to bless whoever he was working with or working for. And eventually God blessed that. 
And I think what's the most instructive for leaders in Joseph's story is that Joseph never asked to be a slave. He never asked to be in prison, but those were the places where God grew his gifts. I mean, at 17 years old, as a son of a farmer or sheep herder, you know, he did not have the gifts to run Egypt. And so in those hard times is when he learned the skills. And I look back to working in the legal field and being a writer. You know, I did not know how to write. I never intended on being a writer or an author. But what I realized is when God put that on my heart, that he had already had me in the training camp at the law firm for decades to be able to understand, oh, this is how you structure a paragraph. This is how you do the detail work that we need to have down to be able to do the big work. Mm, That's amazing. And that is so good. So leaders out there, I really want you to think about those hardships that you're having and zoom out and try to have that godly perspective of what lessons am I learning? What skill sets is God crafting in me right now that he will use for good later. And it's so true. Everything that I went through, I remember one time, so I was an instructional coach for years. So I had no power and authority behind my title whatsoever. I was there to serve teachers and in teacher meetings, you know, teachers are pretty passionate. We had some conflict. And I remember one time, like people were yelling at each other and I had learned conflict mediation. It was amazing in, in that. And I learned how to connect with people, no matter where they were emotionally and all that stuff. And I'll be darned if he didn't take all of that, you know, emotional intelligence and conflict uh, mediation skill set, and then turn around and use it in administration. And then, you know, it grew. Then I was doing it with public things (laughs) and politics, which we never want to be involved in that kind of stuff. But you're so right. So what is your advice for leaders that feel like they're in the deepest, darkest places right now? They're in like that pit that Joseph experienced of, I can't take it. I'm, I'm. God, why am I here? What is your message of encouragement for them? Well, like Joseph, uh, we can choose to whine or we can choose to leverage our God-given gifts to keep working at whatever he's put before us. You know, and I, I never, the closest Joseph ever got to whining was when he was in prison and he asked the cupbearer to remember him to Pharaoh. That was it. Over 20 years, that was it. But in the meantime, Joseph leveraged his gifts just to keep working, just to keep blessing. And what I love about his story is both Potiphar and the captain of the prison guard saw God in him just by his actions. And that is huge because we can choose in business to run over people or be a blessing. And God is going to bless one and condemn the other. Man, that's so good. You know, think about crisis. I've talked about this before. Crisis comes for everyone. Every leader deals with problems, conflicts, and constraints. You know, every leader has 24 hours in a day and not enough money to do what they need to do and not enough people to do what they need to do. And now let's add in the post-COVID market constraints on whatever it is. You know, seeing that generic struggle, the leaders that shine the most are the ones that handle it the most in the most godly way, right? They don't lose their temper with their, you know, teammates or their employees, they are able to take that on and still have that servant heart of just joy of serving. It doesn't mean it's not hard. It's hard for everybody, but how they withstand those storms makes such a difference. I mean, would you agree with that? I would completely agree because Joseph, I mean, think about his situation when 
Potiphar's wife was basically warm for his form and went after him. <laughs> Joseph literally ran, like physically ran from temptation. But think about his situation. He was in a country where no one knew him. He was a single man. He was probably lonely. He could have dove in and thought, you know, no one's going to know. But you know what? What he said was, but I can't do this to God. You know, he knew that no matter where he was, that he was honoring the Lord, not the people around him. And so keeping our eyes on God is huge because what we do in the dark will come out in the light. So true. You know, and thinking about Nehemiah and Joseph, just combining the leadership lessons that I learned, you know, this whole podcast is building your life and leadership on the essential rocks. What is most important? And, you know, leaders out there, you know, we talk about great strategies and leadership. We talk about vision. We talk about systems and processes and communication, but the absolute first and most essential rock that you've got to build yourself on is the rock of Jesus Christ. And so can you help leaders kind of come to know the importance of wrapping your identity around and who you are in Jesus? If you're not clear about who you are in Christ and the gifts he's given you, we are not going to be successful in anything we put ourselves to because he has designed each of us uniquely knitted us for specific work in the kingdom. And unless we are in the word and using that as the inspiration, as the foundation to discover those gifts and to discover what he's called us to do, we will just never know. We're always going to be guessing and we're always going to be relying on our own strength instead of his leading because uh, our strength is just nothing compared to what he can do. And so if our identity is in our ability, we need to rethink that. So true. You know, so just a recap of, of Joseph and Nehemiah. So Joseph, you know, was... <laughs> sold in slavery by his brother. So he had family betrayal there. And then, so he was a slave, you know, something that he didn't deserve. I don't want to be here, but he learned those skill sets and he still had his integrity and how he loved God through those things. You know, Daniel's another one, you know, that kind of had that similar experience, but still shined despite all of that. But Joseph then learned those skill sets in those deepest, darkest, hardest times and was able to then lead Egypt whenever they had times of famine and became second in, in power. And Nehemiah was serving a king, was called back to build the wall, and he had all the negativity around him too. And yet he still shine in both of them, laser-like focus of, I am not here for me and I'm not doing it for myself. We are doing this for God. And, and guys, hear what I'm saying with this. The stories from the Bible you're going to read about all the problems that these people experienced and how it's through their relationship with God that gave them that backbone and that really strong shoulder to keep moving forward. It was not in their own power, but in the power of their relationship with God. So if you are not tapping into the power of God and, and your relationship, you got to do that. It's so important. <laughs> well, so and they remained moldable. Like Joseph even though his brother sold him into slavery and basically stole the life he would have had, at the end, Joseph chose reconciliation and forgiveness. Oh, he remained moldable. I think if he'd become bitter and angry, the story may have ended up a little bit different and we would have seen a different Joseph. But he remained moldable and obedient to God, even to forgive those who had hurt him and stolen his life. Absolutely. What what was his response to his brothers? Uh, what you meant for evil that can yeah, you Genesis, Genesis 50, 20, it says what you intended for evil, God meant for good. And yeah. so Joseph had a, a kingdom perspective and not an earthly perspective. 
Absolutely. And, and leaders, we are here to serve. It is not about us. So, you know, we've talked about the importance of leadership of collaboration with Nehemiah, getting people involved. We talked about, you know, being focused on God in our work. So for those leaders out there that really don't know or don't have a big knowledge of the Bible and how to read through scripture, you know, let, let's face it. Uh, some of us have been raised where one, we are unchurched. We didn't go to church. And so we're unaware of the power of, of the Bible or two, it was like a, oh, this is so boring. How do I get it? You know, <laughs> talk to us about um, how we can really tap into the power of the word. And I know you have a free resource. So talk to us about that as well. Oh, I have tons of free resources, but let me give leaders a specific encouragement. I did not grow up in the church. I did not know Jesus until I was 23 years old. And so there's a lot of people who think, oh, she's been this her whole life or whatever. It is never too late to start. I did not know who Jesus was. I knew that God had a son, but God wasn't married. So how did that work? You know, but what I realized is, is, you know, when a friend invited me to church, getting into scripture, staying in Bible study, I learned these stories of huge inspiration. And what I love about scripture is that it shows the people warts and all. It's not just the finished version. We see the journey that goes behind it. And Mm -hmm. so staying in scripture is huge, absolutely huge. And I have tons of free resources because I remember what it was like to walk into Bible study or even at home and not know what was in the Old Testament, what's in the New Testament, or even the fact there was either one of those, you know, and so you just have to start somewhere and it's a lifelong journey. I will never know. None of us will ever know everything that's in the Bible, but God puts before us what we need to know for that moment in time to leverage for good for him. And so Bible study is huge. Yeah, I've got tons of free resources, reading plans, Bible studies, um, all kinds of stuff. Just go to the website. They're there for free. Absolutely. And tell us your website so we can go there. It's artesianministries.org. .org. All right. And I will be sure, guys, I will have that in the show notes and I'll have a link. She has one specific resource uh, out there about just you know, one page study outlines for how to even read the gospels. It's great material. I love it. So all of that will be in the show notes. So feel free to go there, click there and um, have access to all of her free things because you do not want to miss out on the power of God in your leadership. It is one of the most important things that you can do. So Donna, as we kind of wrap up, just tell us what are some takeaways that our listeners can really apply in their leadership? Ooh, I love takeaways. This is where it boils down things. Ooh, great question. Um, I would say with Nehemiah, his example of perseverance is key in leadership. Uh, To persevere, when we know what God has put before us, to persevere, we need clear, unambiguous goals. And we need a trumpeter by our side, you know. Uh, Another takeaway is that Nehemiah provided the vision and the resources, but then he delegated to qualified people. And that is huge for us. And when it comes to leading a 501c3, you know, it requires both short-term and long-term goals for sustainability and growth. Like I have lots of free resources, but I also have things like the books and stuff that you can actually purchase. I speak at events, so I travel and go for things like that. So there's short-term goals, but the long-term sustainability is it's all going to be about Jesus and he will provide. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your wisdom. You know, thank you for the, just the inspiration that you are in saying, you know, you don't have, it doesn't matter where you start with your knowledge of the Bible or your relationship with God. It's, 
it's taking that next step. So thank you so much for that inspiration, talking to us about collaboration, because man, I am so guilty of that. I struggle with delegation uh, because I need I need it to be produced at a certain level, but that's a lack of, that says more about me and the lack of my leadership there. So thank you so much. And I have one more question. What is one poor decision? I ask everybody this. What is one poor decision you'd warn our leaders to avoid? Oh, I would say avoid um, dismissing valuable experiential wisdom of mentors who've gone before us. Oh, that is so good. Man, guys, you've got to reach out and talk to other people that have been in that situation. So thinking that you know it all or that nobody cares, you know, to answer your question. Nope, don't do that. I love it. All right. So again, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and your work? Artesianministries.org. Artesianministries.org. And again, I'll have that in the show. Donna, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was such a pleasure. And thank you for inspiring us with the stories of Nehemiah and Joseph. And guys, her new book, Meant for Good, A Study of Joseph is now out. It was released on April 11th. So make sure you go check that out. I'll have a link in the show notes. And until next time, continue putting in the work of building your life and leadership on the rocks, the essential rocks. God bless. And remember, the most essential rock you can build your life and leadership on is the rock of Jesus Christ. And today's Bible verse comes from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see.